millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, a doctor was beamed up to the ISS in the first ever holoportation to space. Plus, a new chopsticks invention that makes your food taste salty without adding any salt. And inside the world of a professional scream artist. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. A NASA flight surgeon holoported to the International Space Station last fall in what's now being described as a world-first demonstration. Dr. Joseph Schmidt used a Microsoft HoloLens Connect camera and custom software from AXA Aerospace to have a conversation with European Space Agency astronaut Thomas Pesquet back in October on board the ISS. NASA, writing about the achievement earlier this month, called it the first holoportation handshake from Earth in space. And quoting Science Alert, Unlike traditional holographic projections that appear to hover in the air for anybody to see, holoportation requires the use of an augmented reality headset, such as Microsoft's HoloLens technology, for the wearer to be able to perceive and interact with the remotely captured individual or individuals who are filmed with a multiple camera setup in their actual location. End quote. And for this conversation, Pesquet wore the headset so that he was the only person among the ISS crew and Dr. Schmid's team who got the full picture of what was going on, seeing Schmid and his team appear holographically in the space station. Enabling two-way holoportation interactions will be the next step in both Microsoft and other competitors' evolutions of this technology, as well as perhaps streamlining or getting away with the need for headsets altogether and continuing to downsize the cameras and other hardware required. But hey, this technology is pretty new, so of course it's going to be cumbersome, limiting, and expensive for quite a while. But the fact that this happened at all and that the technology exists is pretty dang cool. Dr. Schmidt said in a NASA statement, quote, This is a completely new manner of human communication across vast distances. Furthermore, it's a brand new way of human exploration, where our human entity is able to travel off the planet. Our physical body is not there, but our human entity absolutely is there. It doesn't matter that the space station is traveling 17,500 miles per hour and in constant motion in orbit 250 miles above Earth, the astronaut can come back three minutes or three weeks later, and with that system running, we will be there in that spot, live on the space station." End quote. And Schmidt adds that with haptics integrated into the AR, the possibilities extend even further. You could be working on some complex technology and holoport the designer in to work on it alongside you. 
And continuing from NASA, quote, Holoportation and tools like it could have great implications on the future of deep space travel. As plans shape up for missions to Mars, an obstacle to overcome will be the communication delays that are present during the travel to and from Mars. A delay of up to 20 minutes each way will present a unique challenge to communication, whether through simple radio transmissions, video streams, or new methods such as holoportation. Communication is critical, whether for medical or mission support reasons or staying in touch with family members. The crew will need to be connected with Earth and mission control no matter where humans explore. But there are also direct applications here on Earth, whether in other extreme environments such as Antarctica, offshore oil rigs, or military operation theaters, this type of technology may help people in such situations communicate, bringing people together no matter the distance or environmental challenges, end quote. Yeah, the possibilities really do seem endless. Plus, you gotta love any technology that gets us closer to the world of Star Trek, which, of course, was top of mind for the crew during this holoportation conversation. Dr. Schmidt himself, in his AR pixelated glory, was captured flashing the Vulcan hand gesture for the camera, really blurring the lines between science fiction and reality. What if you could enjoy added salt without worrying about your sodium levels, and without actually having to add anything to your dish? That's the dream being cooked up by researchers in Japan who have designed electric chopsticks that artificially amplify the taste of salt. Quoting Reuters, co-developed by Meiji University professor Homei Miyashita and beverage maker Curran Holdings, the chopsticks enhance tastes using electrical stimulation and a mini-computer worn on a wristband, end quote. And from The Guardian, quote, The chopsticks use very weak electricity, not enough to affect the human body, to adjust the function of ions such as sodium chloride and sodium glutamate to change the perception of taste by making foods seem to taste stronger or weaker, Curran said in a statement. Miyashita and Curran said clinical tests on people who follow a low-sodium diet had confirmed that the device enhances the salty taste of low-sodium food by about 1.5 times. They said participants given reduced salt miso soup had commented on the improved richness, sweetness, and overall tastiness of the dish, end quote. And Reuters notes that the device may be particularly popular in Japan, where salty dishes are common and beloved, and the average adult consumes double the amount of salt per day as recommended by the WHO. Miyashita, by the way, is the same scientist who invented that lickable TV that I mentioned last year. Taste the TV, or TTTV, uses, quoting an earlier article from Reuters, a carousel of 10 flavor canisters that spray in combination to create the taste of a particular food. The flavor sample then rolls on hygienic film over a flat-screen TV for the viewer to try. End quote. Like the salty e-chopsticks, it sounds kind of silly at first, and no cap, it is, but there's a serious root to the idea as well. Miyashita says that in an era of social distancing and lockdowns, the TTTV could help people experience new foods from places that they can't physically visit. It could also be used as a form of distance learning for cooks and sommeliers, or just for pure fun, like with games that you could play on the TV. 
I still think there should be a taste version of Smell-O-Vision. If only this technology had been developed during Nickelodeon's glory days. I mean, just imagine the wild stuff they would have come up with. But anyways, the salty chopsticks. As they were developed alongside a food and drink manufacturer, Curran, they've got a decent chance of actually going to market, which the team hopes will happen next year. Right now, the mini computer that the diner has to wear on their wrist that connects to the chopsticks is a bit unwieldy, but the team says they're working on refining the prototype, so perhaps that'll be slimmed down a bit or somehow fully incorporated inside of the chopsticks themselves before they're manufactured. And hey, if they take off in Japan, maybe we'll get fork and spoon versions sometime in the future, too. In the film world, there are stunt doubles, there are foley artists recreating all the natural sounds of footsteps and doors closing, there are even butt doubles. But did you know that there are also scream doubles? Voice actor Ashley Peldon specializes in filling in more dramatic screams for actors in movies. Typically, when a different tone was wanted in post, or the actor themselves may have harmed their voice going for the exact scream the director was looking for, or maybe just to add in extra screams during a sort of crowd scene. Some of the more recognizable films that Ashley Peldon has screamed for include Free Guy, Jurassic Park, Paranormal Activity, and the most recent Scream movie of course. Peldon started her career as a child actor, most notably starring as Beth Thomas in the made-for-TV movie Child of Rage in 1992. That was an adaptation of the 1990 documentary of the same name, which told the story of an abused young girl with severe behavioral issues who was successfully treated for reactive attachment disorder. I remember watching that documentary in psych class back in high school, and the full half-hour doc is on YouTube, and it's one of those YouTube videos that pops up a lot in recommended videos when you have a fairly unused account, so if the documentary wasn't more popular than the made-for-TV movie back in the day, it probably is now. But anyways, as you might be able to imagine from the topic of the film, Ashley Peldon got in touch with performative screaming at a young age. And while she went on to do over 40 films and TV shows throughout her childhood and teenage years, as an adult, she, like many child actors, decided to pivot to the relatively more private and less taxing career of voice acting. She also went on to get her PhD in psychology, which is pretty cool considering her first acting role. And having done the scream artist thing for a while now, Peldon understands the nuances of screaming in a way that most of us probably never thought about before. She wrote in a recent piece for The Guardian, quote, As a scream artist, you have to know the subtle differences between screams and determine whether they should peak at certain points or remain steady for a very long time. I have to think, okay, the character is scared here, but are they scared because their life is in danger or are they just startled? Those screams will sound very different. Ghost stories, for example, will often use a shrill, harsh scream because we need the audience to also experience fear. You often think of the classic screams of Fay Ray in King Kong and Janet Lee in Psycho. Those are beautiful screams, but they're from the damsels. Now, we have a lot more strong rage from women on screen. There are fewer of the terrified female jobs and more for provocateur-type characters. I've been able to witness such a shift in the industry, as women are getting stronger roles where they're fighting and bearing their emotions, like the female superheroes taking the forefront in action films and television programs. There are many different screams of fear, 
anger, rage, screams of joy and success, and that raw, embodied scream of female empowerment. There's the wailing of grief and pain and screams of effort and fighting. End quote. And Peldon also notes that in real life, when something terrifying happens, a lot of people don't actually scream at all. We tend to be a bit more frozen, maybe inhale sharply, but not actually make a lot of noise. So portraying a scream that we perceive as realistic to each individual situation, when in reality a person might not have actually screamed at all, is a tough balancing act. But the toughest scream of them all? Grief. When a character is experiencing pain or trauma, Peldon says it's not that that's a hard one to do, it's actually one of the easier ones to execute, but it carries so much weight to it that it affects her the most deeply. In a video for 60 Second Docs, Peldon elaborated that spending eight hours straight screaming can be totally exhausting. On her voice, of course, but also emotionally. It can really take a toll. Although, it can also sometimes be a nice release. She says that sometimes she feels really relaxed after a whole day of screaming. And here's a quick listen from that doc of her range of emotions that comes across in different screams. Grief and sadness. <laughs> utter blood-curdling fear. And a quick shock fear. As for the care of her voice, since she did say one of the reasons she fills in with screams in post-production sometimes is so the actors don't hurt their voices, but she says she doesn't have any particular secrets. She drinks tea and tries to rest her voice, but admits that she both sings in the car and probably screams more than the average person day to day, like when she sees a bug or on a roller coaster, because she's just so much more in touch with screaming that it comes a bit more naturally. I guess when you're an expert, you just know how to do it without hurting your voice. But wow, scream artists, today I learned. Well, fresh off the not really success of Is It Cake, Netflix is turning another popular trend into a TV show, and this time it is the card game Exploding Kittens. Only this time, instead of going for a competition reality show like Is It Cake and The Floor is Lava, Netflix will be producing an animated cartoon series and a mobile game. Matt Inman, the creative director of the Exploding Kittens game, as well as the creator of the wildly popular webcomic The Oatmeal, will partner with Netflix on the cartoon series and game. And Inman says that through the enormous success of the original Exploding Kittens game and its subsequent spin-offs and merchandise, he and the team never came up with a real story behind it, which as a comic artist was something that may have surprised himself. But he was also leery about making a show from the game at first, saying that the only time that has actually worked well in his opinion was for Clue. But once he hit on a story that he said he himself would actually want to watch, he was in. And the story he ended up coming up with, quoting VentureBeats, The eternal conflict between heaven and hell reaches epic proportions when both God and the devil are sent to earth in the bodies of chunky house cats. End quote. 
The cartoon will include the voice talents of Lucy Liu, Ali Mackey, Tom Ellis, Abraham Lim, Sashir Zamata, and Mark Proksh, the comedian from What We Do in the Shadows, who also once had a career as a fake yo-yo master. Link in the show notes to the old episode in which I did a deep dive on that stunt. Netflix has kind of gotten into the gaming world before, with tie-ins for shows like Stranger Things and Arcane, but this is the first time that they're entering development for both a show and a game at the same time. And one of the cool outcomes from that is that the mobile game, which will function much like the existing card game, will feature some of the new characters that will be on the animated series, and Netflix subscribers will get access to the game without any additional fees. They say for now, the company notorious for hiking prices every few months. The game will come out in about a month, but more details about the animated series are still to come. And with that, that is it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.